0: When I shoot my shot, it's stuck a wild, where it's going, in. Nigga. Cross niggas like Bubba Chuck, I never gave a fuck. Hook shot a hole like Kareem, but I never lead a book. I hit that Janobi with my left hand on like, woo! Bitch, you weren't with me shooting in the gym? Wrong nights, I perform like Mike. Anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, action. James Harden with the don't me nigga way back. Michael Jordan, 1985, bitch, I travel with a cocaine circus. And you can live through anything if magic made it. Niggas don't vote and crackers vote for the wrong cracker. What up, my fellow Knicks fans? This is your guy Marcellus Ease, and don't panic quite yet. Now, before shit gets crazy out there in the streets, we're gonna touch base on a few things with the draft fastly approaching. We're gonna talk about the modern day hyped up player, especially in LaMelo Ball, as he enters the class of 2020 to join his previous alumni members in Odell Beckham Jr. and Kyle Kuzman. And we're gonna talk about the modern day hyped up athlete, what they really mean in the era of social media and clicks. Because as the draft comes closer and closer, we're hearing that LaMelo Ball might end up falling further and further, and the Knicks might actually get pressured by that toxic media to take this guy. So we'll touch base on that. Also, we'll touch base on Dennis Smith Jr. What exactly is his identity as he's approaching his final year on his rookie contract? And speaking of contracts, in this free agency season, the Knicks can go after an old Nick. used to wear the orange and blue, and he could easily space out the floor with his three-point shooting. And with free agency vastly approaching, we're going to talk about some of the back end deals that are being made right now and some of the loopholes that people get around to kind of negotiate things early in advance. As we've already seen one back end deal kind of come into the fold, as we've seen the 76ers give Del Mori a five year contract and also Doc Rivers a five year contract which is already unusual for a team to hire a coach while the position was already vacant but then after that go ahead and hire a president normally it's the other way around and finally with the league about to announce next year's salary cap we'll begin to get a picture of the league's finances as we've already seen this week alone the Utah Jazz and the Miller family had sold the team off along with the stadium for about 1.6 billion dollars So we'll touch base on what it means for other small market teams that are about to take some financial hits when it comes to signing new contracts with players and how it's gonna affect free agency. But before we get to all that, I want you guys to check out my weekly gems in the description below. We got new music playlists, some dope articles to keep you in the know, a lot of books, even cookbooks in there in case you guys chefing it up during the quarantine and everything you could download straight into your phone. So you guys check it out. Now, what exactly is Dennis Smith Jr.? And this will be volume three, as last time we looked at Dennis Smith Jr. in year one, in which he only played 20 games before getting hurt. And then in year two, during the summer, before the season had actually started, he got in much better shape so he can improve his defensive skill sets. And then he worked on his jump shot. He actually changed his whole jumper. And that was in Fisdale's second year, as they had a lot of hopes for DSJ. But when the year started, he started off with a back injury and then He had some trouble with his personal life. He had a family member pass away, and he spent most of the season with nagging injuries, and he only appeared in about 34 games. Now, the reason why I named this series, What Exactly Is Dennis Smith Jr., is because he's approaching his final year on his rookie deal, and we still have yet to know his identity. And in last season, he actually had probably his worst season, even though he had nagging injuries. Even his free throw percentage even dropped. He shot about 50% last season even though he started off his career hovering around 70%. His decision making is still off. Defensively, he's not really there and his shooting isn't consistent enough for him to even be a shooting guard. But then again, he doesn't even penetrate and make smart enough decisions to even be a point guard. So where exactly does he fit? Because you could look at our roster the past two seasons, we would even have that much competition to get the starting position at point guard. But yet with two head coaches, Dennis Smith Jr. still didn't get a lot of playing time above some other guys at point guard. So entering his final season on his rookie deal, I'm wondering with the Knicks offseason plans, if they spend money on free agency, getting a point guard or just drafting a point guard. And when you factor in the season potentially being limited because of the pandemic, he's going to have a limited amount of time to actually prove his worth. So he's going to have to come in off a rip with an improved jump shot, especially in great shape. So he could play both ends of the court and on top of all that he's gonna have to come in injury free all these nagging injuries it's gonna have to be on a very limited basis this season because once again his window is very narrow I feel bad for DSJ because you look at in Dallas they kind of gave up on him because they got that Luka experience so you already know how that goes but then in New York It's been two seasons of just injuries, coaching changes. He has yet still to find his footing. So I don't know where this is going to go with DSJ. It's crazy. I didn't expect in year three to be saying still, what is Dennis Smith Jr.'s identity? And I'm wondering if the Knicks management and coaching staff is still wondering the same thing, because we're about to see how heavily they're going to invest in a point guard. If they're going to spend money during the offseason or they're going to invest their draft pick into a point guard. So we'll begin to start to see if this could be the beginning of DSJ no longer being part of the future of the Knicks guard rotation. Now, with free agency vastly approaching, we're beginning to see potentially that there was a lot of deals being made under the table. As this week alone, we've seen the 76ers hire Daryl Morey for five years and they had Doc Rivers on for five years, even though. It's kind of strange because Daryl Morey said he was taking a break and he worked out a deal to get out of the Houston contract that he was under just for literally a week to pass by for him to quickly sign with the 76ers. I remind you, one advantage in the bubble is that all these teams that were in it, they were all around each other. Their front offices, everybody was around each other. So players could have been working out deals with other players and especially front office people working out deals with other guys. That's something that goes under the radar. And there's a lot of ways to work around this whole player tampering thing. Now, Jeannie Buss actually spoke about this, and I believe overtly she didn't realize that she was kind of exposing a kind of a, a loophole runaround to work out deals very early to pull off trades. Now, during the Shaq trade from LA to Miami, of course, Shaq and Kobe they were at odds. And we're talking about around 2004, they lost the NBA finals to the Detroit Pistons. Shaq kept showing up every season more and more out of shape. And of course, people around the league knew that pretty much was about to reach its peak. But Jeannie Buss spoke about how Miami was asked by the Lakers to interview Pat Riley for a coaching job, which doesn't make any sense on its own because Pat Riley has full power in Miami and has a higher position. Why would he want to interview for a lower position? But during the interview, Pat Riley went ahead and asked a question about the relationship between Kobe and Shaq. And that pretty much is a dead giveaway. You guys check it out.
1: Well, there there was actually a discussion of bringing him back. You know, of course it was when my dad was, um, you know, still running the team with my brother Jimmy. But after Phil left in 2004, you know, they asked permission because you know when a person, even an executive, not just a player, there's tampering with executives as well. They asked permission of uh, the Miami Heat to talk to Pat Riley about coming back and coaching. And in that conversation, I believe what happened was um, Pat said, you know, if if you guys are interested in me coming back, I, I would like to have a phone call with Kobe and a phone call with Shaq. And I think my, my dad at that time said, well, I think I'm, you know, going to be trading Shaq. And I think Pat went, what? (laughs) And went right back to Miami and made a deal to get Shaq in Miami, which ended up leading them to a championship.
0: The fix was in. Pat Riley asking the question right then and there, can I have a phone call with Kobe and Shaq? Was basically an alley hoop for Jerry Buss to let him know Nah, we're trading Shaq. Shaq ain't going to be here. And that's basically the code word for, hey, Pat, man, you already know what it is. You know, start making phone calls. Let's let's work out a deal here. I'm going to let you guys hear it one more time.
1: Talk to Pat Riley about coming back and coaching. And in that conversation, I believe what happened was um, Pat said, you know, if, if you guys are interested in me coming back, I, I would like to have a phone call with Kobe and a phone call with Shaq. And I think my my dad at that time said, well, I think I'm, you know, going to be trading Shaq. And I think Pat went what (laughs) and went right back to Miami and made a deal to get Shaq in Miami, which ended up leading them to a championship.
0: Now, you see, the only reason a deal like that could happen is because Pat Riley and Jerry Buss already had a relationship. And Leon Rose, hopefully he has a lot of, of the same type of relationships with a lot of front office guys throughout the league where he can leverage his relationships the same exact way to put us in a, an advantage to possibly work out earlier deals to get guys to come over to the team. See, in the past, when the Knicks had a guy like Steve Mills... You could tell from his negotiating skills from the trades that were made when he was around that he was lacking. He didn't really have those type of relationships. He probably didn't even know certain guys were even available. I mean, look at his Porzingis trade. Look at the trade he made with Toronto. Steve Mills stayed getting ripped off because he didn't have those type of relationships. So this is where Leon Rose comes in and could hopefully leverage those type of relationships to put us in a more advantageous position to make our team better. But looking back at Pat Riley and Jerry Buss, just the way they were moving, there's some slick motherfuckers, man. I tell you that there was no way in hell Pat Riley was taking a coaching job because we all know how he left the Knicks. He was asking for shares. He was asking for percentages of ownership. He wanted, you know, a very unprecedented deal around the time, I believe around 96. It was very unprecedented for a guy to take a position of a president and a coach. And quiet is kept, I still believe Phil Jackson left the Bulls for the same reason. He saw that Pat Riley got that deal in 96, and by 98, he's like, damn, I won all these championships, and I can't get a president and a head coaching job? That's probably the real reason why Phil Jackson did not come back to Chicago after 98. Quiet is kept. Now, speaking of front office deals, the Utah Jazz had actually sold their team for $1.6 billion, along with the stadium and I believe a couple other minor league baseball teams or basketball teams, but that's that's minimal. Now, you're probably wondering, why the fuck am I talking about the Utah Jazz? Well, remember how I said certain teams, the ownerships might not be ready for this financial fluctuation that's about to happen, that some guys, some players might be end up being available that we could take advantage of because the Knicks, of course, we have the cap space and we have the cash. We can go over the luxury tax. But the Miller family, they kind of run like a mom and pop franchise and they were kind of smart to sell. They only bought the franchise for $27 million. With the league about to go through a fluctuation, they're probably not trying to go through that. But they're not the only owners that are thinking that. Especially, it's funny how the Utah Jazz right now, they have major contracts coming up. They gotta pay Donovan Mitchell and they gotta pay Rudy Gobert. But at the same time, we're about to start off next season with no fans in the stands and also with no revenue sharing. So them small market franchises, they gotta pay players salaries while not even selling any tickets, which is very important to those franchises. So once again, that leaves a very open window for teams like ours that have a lot of cap space that are not afraid to go over the luxury tax to gobble up some of these players. I'm not exactly talking about Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell per se. I'm just talking about other players and other franchise, maybe mid-level players, or maybe higher tier players on teams that are trying to get rid of salary. We can work out deals, especially with Leon Rose and Worldwide West, to get some of these guys. Best believe that window is wide open. We're going to see how it plays out with Victor Oladipo. He's one of those guys that's going to be up for trade because of this circumstance. But these next two off seasons, man, this is so much opportunity. So many deals are going to be worked out. We're probably going to see an unprecedented number of deals just being worked out because... Like I said, we don't know where some of these billionaire owners are at because some of their other businesses are not doing good. They're taking losses there. And guys are gonna be up for major contracts with no revenue sharing once again. So much opportunity presents itself in the next two free agency periods. Speaking of free agents, in the 2020 off season, A lot of three-point shooters are gonna be available. We got Harris out in Brooklyn. We got Bertans out in Washington. One of the Brogdons in in Sacramento. There's so many Brogdons in the damn league. It's unbelievable. But here's one low-key three-point shooter that we can get to spread the floor. And he used to rock with us. Gallinari, yes. We could definitely cop him. On the low, we could get him on a one and one one year we give him a team option even if it's a good amount of money to spend this guy had been shooting 40 percent from three the past two seasons and if you look at the squads he'd been on they actually were viewed as squads that should have been non-playoff contenders underachieving and these two teams actually went on to do good things during the regular season and make a nice little I don't want to say postseason run but they did a lot more than they were expected to I'm talking about the Clippers from last season, which Gallinari was part of that team, shooting 40% from three. And in this current season that just passed, he was on OKC, which wasn't really expected to do much. But once again, they made a nice little playoff push, took Houston to game seven. Gallinari, once again, shooting about 40% from three. There's very few guys in the league that's been doing that, especially for back-to-back seasons. The Knicks, we're looking for a three-point shooter. He's already used to playing in the garden. Hey, why not? If we can't get Bretons, or Harris out in Brooklyn costs too much money, or we can't get brogged on, to look at Gallinari just wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> Last but not least, I want to talk about a certain archetype of player, especially with the upcoming draft, that comes in through various sports leagues. could be the NFL, the NBA, whatever. There's a certain archetype in today's social media clickbait era that comes in that gets overhyped, And of course you guys know I'm talking about LaMelo Ball because right now it's predicted that he's gonna fall through this draft. And when you look at the middle of the top end of the draft, teams like Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chicago Bulls, they all have point guards. So he could either fall to Detroit Pistons or even maybe we can even pass through him. But the Knicks of course are gonna get outside pressure to take this guy, but you have to understand This guy is in the same class as Kyle Kuzma and Odell Beckham Jr. And I'm not talking about skill set. I'm just talking about there's an overall gravitas that these guys have. They get attention from the demographic that a lot of these media companies are trying to gain. I would say the demographic of maybe kids from age nine, preteen on all the way through 18, 21. Now, I would say... These guys have a value to these media companies. That's why they promote these guys so much. I mean, you would swear OBJ actually has a major impact on the NFL the past three seasons. You would swear he won the Super Bowls the way they promote this guy, but he has actually no impact on the NFL as far as winning at all. You look at Kyle Kuzma, you swear he averaged like 20 points a game for like a whole season or something for many years. But yeah, he's barely doing anything, but these guys, they get a lot of clicks. So they all get this overpromotion in which their talent don't really match. This is the era that we're in. Guys can get overly promoted without even being good. I mean, no disrespect, look at Swaggy P. He's part of that class too. There's a whole league of these guys. And in 2020, the brand new person that's gonna enter this class is LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball had his own show on Facebook. And I'm I'm guessing that they're looking at the metrics and the analytics or whatever, and the algorithm. They're seeing that that main demographic that they're trying to get, that preteen demographic that's on the internet more than anyone else. They love these guys. So that's why these guys get overly talked about. Now, as far as LaMelo's skill set, he did go to a league in Australia in which, for a young kid, he did play pretty decent, but he was allowed to take a bunch of shots his father is very aware of the different leagues around the world his father's a lot smarter than what people think he is he's very aware because this league actually or whatever team he was on they let him chuck up a bunch of shots i mean his three-point shooting wasn't really that great but he still did his thing but it's not really saying much i mean do we even know anyone in the australian league we can't even name one guy that's in that league but the thing that always made me nervous about this draft was LaMelo Ball falling lower and lower in the draft? Because I was like, I pray to God, the Knicks don't have an ability to take him because the toxic-ass media pressure is going to be on the Knicks to take this guy. And it's going to be for no reason. LaMelo Ball for a point guard, his decision-making is questionable. His defense is not really even there. And, of course, when you're a point guard, you got to be the leader of the squad. So you ask yourself... Is that kid really even a leader? Or better yet, do you see in the future, two, three years from now, that kid growing to even be a leader? So just understand the media motive behind LaMelo Ball is for him to go to a major media market because they already know the younger demographic which they're trying to gain will click on articles, will click on show clips in which they're talking about this kid. Because the media companies, their business model works really well with a personality like LaMelo Ball. He reaches the demographic that's on the internet the most, the preteens, all the way up to, I would say, age 17, 18. His father is really clever in cultivating his personality, especially with that Facebook deal. Because you can even look at the middle son, I think his name is Jello Ball or whatever. Jello, whatever his name is, the middle son, during that draft in which he never got drafted, he had a commercial. There was very few NBA players that even got drafted that even had a commercial even before coming in. I believe his father understands the social media landscape and the marketing and the promotion a lot better because his sons are actually getting drafted higher because of the potential ticket sales and just eyeballs that they can generate. I mean, their father is almost like a Don King of basketball players. It's just this guy is the ultimate promoter but just once again just understand the error we're in i mean look at a guy like kyle kuzma who averages what he averages but yet gets all the social media and just promotion that he gets it just doesn't make any sense same thing for swaggy p is because they attract a certain demographic and that demographic is the demographic that's on the internet the most the preteens, all the way up to age 17 18. This is truly an era in which your personality can actually carry you if you don't have enough talent until people get sick of you. And then it's, it quickly has a major drop off. I mean, can you imagine LeVar Ball talking about the Knicks on these talk shows, the amount of clicks it will get, especially let's just say something went wrong or he doesn't agree with the with the Knicks? Oh shit, that is a major firestorm. But that's major revenue for media outlets. That is major revenue and nothing but stone-cold fuckery for us as Knicks fans. I can only pray, please, let Michael Jordan fuck up and take another draft pick and choose LaMelo Ball ahead of us this year. Please, please, please. (sighs) Anyway, I'm not sure if you guys seen the new Knicks jerseys. I don't know if you guys are feeling that or not. It looks kind of like the NBA is trying to get their jersey sales up. Any excuse to just design something new. Let me know what you guys think about it. I'm not feeling it as much, but it is what it is. But that blue, I can't lie. That's a nice little blue on it. But other than that, that whole saying on it, I'm not really feeling it. But you guys, let me know what you think. Until next time, y'all stay safe. Peace.